Local Radio for Portsmouth. Tonight, busy show. Lots to chat about. A couple of initiatives too tonight we're talking about, particularly one here. Uh, all to do with the, uh, with the bus. And getting us on public transport a bit more. Uh, and that. Leaving the car at home. Saving, uh, polluting the air and that kind of thing, really. Uh, this um, £2 bus fare government initiative, uh, well underway, uh, from Stagecoach South Buses. Tell us all about it. Um, into... Uh, Mansion director, I guess. Gordon Frost is with us on the line now. Gordon, have I got your title wrong? Completely wrong. <laughs> it's, it's interim managing director, but that was close enough. Close, wasn't it? Eh? Close. It's Go- there, I think, yeah. <laughs> Gordon, how are you? You right? I'm good, thank good. you. And yourself? Yeah, not so bad at all. Not so bad at all. Busy old week. It's the first week back properly for everyone, isn't it? It is, <laughs> After yeah. Christmas and what have you. Um, uh, this a new scheme just starting, really, the £2 bus fares initiative. How's it going so far for you? Um, it's been incredibly successful, um, and in terms of Stagecoach as a whole, um, the lo- our local company, Stagecoach South, has issued more £2 tickets than any other company wow. in the country. Um, so I mean, it, it is incredibly popular. Yeah, it's interesting to see actually you saying that because uh, some of the stats that I've read uh, briefly that before we came on the air, uh, Portsmouth's amongst the top ten. Yes, um, I think about 25% yeah. of the tickets we've issued have been from Portsmouth. Well done you. Um, and I think, we've, I think last week we issued something like 35,000 tickets in the Portsmouth area total. That's good, that's good stuff, that's very good stuff. And in particular that was your 700 service, wasn't it, between Portsmouth and Brighton, is that right? Yes, I mean I think understandably as it's a £2 fare to go anywhere, Yeah. From what we can see, people are understandably taking advantage and making longer journeys because there's a bigger saving to be had. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's worthwhile as well. Getting out and about and leaving the car behind is all part of it, I, I guess, as well. Uh, and it's really sort of using public transport instead of losing it because obviously, you, you know, some of these services do get axed when they're not used properly or uh, not enough patronage is, uh, is used on these bus services. It's pretty crucial for you, isn't it? It is, and credit to the government that the idea was initially designed to help get people back on the buses post-COVID. I think it's been slightly delayed its implementation, so it's actually arrived at a time when people are obviously facing huge inflationary pressures and pressures on their personal budget. So something that allows, encourages people to use the bus again, but also allows them to save money can only be welcomed and hopefully, like you say, some of those services that might not have picked up quite as well as we'd hoped, this will be the shot in the arm they need and means that they're just on a road to total recovery. Is it, it's a shame in a sense it's only until March, so we really need to sort of grip this by the horns, really, don't we? But, I mean, from this scheme, do you think now this would be like a, as you say, shot in the arm to, for, for us to, to use public transport, no matter what company it is, uh, a bit more if it's the bus or even the train? Well, I, I think both of those things apply. If it, if it encourages people to come and try the bus, if they may not have been on the bus for 10 or 20 years, hopefully a few of them will try it and find actually it can be made to fit into their daily lives. And as you were saying at the start, Chris, this whole thing about you know reducing your personal emissions and reducing carbon footprint, it all ties in with it. And to be honest, from our point of view, the more people who will use our bus services, it makes it easier for us to generate a case to actually 
increase frequencies and put more buses on to make the services even more, more attractive going forward. Well, this is it. I, I know some companies are introducing more late night services and things like that. Uh, yeah, I, and I think that's possibly more. It's quite important for, for people now to to really you know use public transport when they need it almost. It is, and I have to I have to give some credit to Portsmouth City Council, who started funding extra yeah. very early morning buses, sort of four a.m., four thirty a.m., and some late night journeys on Fridays and Saturdays that are post midnight. Um, for us, they started on the fourth of January. I know for first to also run buses in Portsmouth, their very early morning journey started in December. And just by extending the day, it will hopefully make services, again, more attractive and actually meet people's needs yeah, more. Absolutely. Now, I mean, you mentioned first day, Gordon, interesting enough. Do you uh, two companies sort of work alongside each other in, in sort of situations like this? Um, it's an interesting thing because, you know, officially we are competitors with yes. one another. But equally, we do cooperate because I think we both recognise that there's a bigger picture than us just having a fight with one another. It's not worth yeah, it, is it? it? it it's not worth it. If we work together and make the overall bus network more attractive, yeah. that's the way to really get more people using the bus, which is a benefit, you know, okay, it's a very, it's a great benefit to our company, but it's a benefit to the wider society, and I think that's quite an important thing to do. What do you think bus travel will be, say, in a couple of years' time? Do you think, you know, we might turn that corner almost, you know, to the fact that... Um, we could be using the bus a bit more. Um, I, I think the whole environmental angle has to work in our favour, just because of you know you put more people on a bus, yeah. uh, the people you know individual carbon footprint diminishes. Our our most modern buses, the actual emissions from them, they're actually cleaner than the equivalent car. Yeah. And obviously, what we're looking forward to in the next certainly five to ten years is more about how we bring in electric buses and potentially, if the technology yeah. works properly, hydrogen buses, which yeah. then become totally zero emission. Yeah, it's exciting times, really, isn't it, for the bus industry? You, you've, it, you know, you've been hammered over the last few years, though, haven't you, Gordon? You know, all of you. It, I mean, yes. I mean, like other industries, <laughs> COVID obviously yeah, has abs- hit everybody. Yeah. We, we are, you know, we have recovered. In some of, some of our routes, we're seeing 90% of the adult passenger numbers we had previously, so that's promising. But we still need to keep going. And I think, as I say, you know, we've got a whole load of other benefits we can offer to, to Portsmouth as a city that we really need to capitalise upon. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly Portsmouth being very highly densely populated. It's incredibly highly populated, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, yeah. And that, that presents a challenge to us because you know, it is a relatively small city and the opportunities for people to walk means that sometimes the bus isn't seen as necessarily an attractive option because, you know, you, you can do it on your own two feet. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's a struggle for you as well, trying to plan services. The roads are busy and things like that. That take into consideration. Um, it's a challenge for you as well. I mean, roadworks, I think, are our biggest frustration. Yeah. Mostly because we know the impact they have on our customers. And the one thing customers of ours really want is, is predictability that they know if they're going to get on the bus, it's only going to take 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's going to turn up at roughly the time we say. Roadworks, unfortunately, <laughs> cause disruptions sure. that mean that predictability disappears. 
Yeah, yeah, it's tough out there, isn't it? Well, Gordon, yeah. it, it all sounds very exciting. I mean, this is a great scheme as well. It's a shame it's not going on for a bit longer because I think people will really reap the benefits of this. But it's a start, isn't it? It's a start. And, well, and it could be interesting, you know, to see how the government react because at the moment it's a three-month trial. But if it's seen as a success, you can sort of see political pressure being applied for it yeah. to last longer. But as, as you said earlier, Chris, I think the, the key message is take advantage while you can, yeah. while it's only two pounds. Yeah, absolutely. Because we don't get much <laughs> money off, yeah, do we? Yeah, Let's face it. You don't get much it. for £2 these days, <laughs> No, do you? you don't. No. <laughs> so take it while it's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the key is, is to really use the bus or, or lose it, isn't it? That's it at the end of the day. Yes, because uh, there, um, there are a number of cities locally and towns locally where you can point to examples where bus services unfortunately being withdrawn because yes. of lack of use. And once they disappear, it's very, very difficult to get them back again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're talking our cousins down the road, <laughs> down the end yes. of 27. That was a bit of a shock. Uh, was that a shock for the bus industry? Or had that been coming for a while, do you think? Um, although the first operation in Southampton had been reducing in, in size over a number of years, to see them totally disappear, I have to say, was still a bit of a shock. Mm. But that situation could happen again, couldn't it, if we don't use... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. In, in fairness, it, you know, that's not the first town or city where a bus company has totally withdrawn, um, and I don't think it'll be the last time it occurs. What you know, what we're very keen to do at Stagecoach is make sure that we're not in that position, mm. and there's no danger of us ever saying to the residents of Portsmouth, "Sorry, we can't run any buses for you anymore," because that's the last thing we'd want. Yeah, yeah. So really, you know, fingers crossed that uh, that never happens anyway. And, yes. and initiatives like this uh, really take off, and people use Thanks. it quite yes yeah Gordon it's been lovely talking to you thanks coming on tonight appreciate your time alright all the best to you you take Take care care. talk again soon alright we'll keep in touch Gordon Okay. all the best take care bye bye Bye. Gordon Frost uh, interim managing director there Stagecoach South Buses having a chat with us about that £2 bus fares initiative use it absolutely make the uh, most of that of course on uh, Stagecoach and indeed first here in the city of Portsmouth and Fairm and Gosport and Havant and all those outlying areas too alright Express this week 7.23 the time Express FM Yep, uh, news and views from right across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire as always We'll turn our attention now, we've done buses uh, We'll turn our attention now to health And yeah, the pressures locally for the NHS Making uh, headlines course uh, uh, Last rather, months in actual fact All over the winter so far uh, Director of Health for Portsmouth uh, is Dr Helen Atkinson on the line with us now Helen, how are you, right? I'm very good, thank you Good stuff, are you keeping well? That's the main thing yourself yeah, I have actually been very well. Good. Instead of looking after us, we thought we'd look at check in with you. <laughs> See how you are. <laughs> Helen, it's been tough, isn't it, locally in NHS? And uh, we're still hearing horrific stories at the moment. How are we doing here in, in the city itself? Well, as you're hearing on the, uh, you know, on the news across the whole country, the NHS and the care system as well, so adult social care, under extreme pressures this year. We were expecting it to be a bad winter. You know, we've had COVID, uh, we've had the COVID pandemic now for the last three years. We've still got um, COVID circulating in the community, although obviously because of the success of the vaccination programme, we're seeing lots of people getting uh, COVID, but very, very few now being admitted and certainly uh, very 
few, if any, to intensive care system, which is what we were obviously seeing two years ago. But on top of that, obviously, we've also got uh, uh, the you know influenza. We see flu every year. Uh, in winter. It's a particularly bad winter this year for flu and it started earlier. So we normally see an increase in flu cases around January. We're in January now, but it actually started much earlier this year um, in uh, December. So, you know, we've also got cost of living crisis, which is impacting. You know, we've had some very, very cold weather. We always see an increase in admissions to hospital after a very cold snap, particularly in our older uh, uh, residents. So all of these things together have had a huge impact on, you know, pressures in the health and care system. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, QA, uh, we're hearing reports, of course, uh, still you know, having difficulty, uh, particularly with ambulances uh, and, and, and turnaround times for them, getting patients in as well. Uh, it's having a knock-on effect, really, as you say there, for, for local services. Uh, yes. So, I mean, again, it, it's not really any different mm. in Portsmouth and South East Hampshire than it is across the whole country. QA have been under what we call a major internal incident to yeah. try to be able to manage the situation. But we're also seeing, and, and the problem is this time of year, what we normally do, and we are doing again this year, and I'm happy uh, to mention a few things on that, is we encourage people to think of alternative services to going to A&E and that really only what we would call life-threatening emergencies go into A&E. So uh, things like uh, strokes, chest pain, bleeding that won't stop, those kind of what we would call an emergency. So we try to encourage people to use alternatives but the problem this year is quite a few of the alternatives are also under significant pressure so everyone will know that um, primary care is under a lot of pressure and uh, people are sometimes struggling um, to get appointments with their you know their local primary care teams but um, still encouraging all of that but the whole system this year is under a huge amount of pressure so we're really encouraging people not only, I think really prevention, we always say this, is yes. better than the cure. So what we're trying to do, and what I'm myself um, advising and encouraging people, is to get vaccinated. So a lot of those pressures at the moment, not all, but a lot of those pressures mm. are caused by the increase in flu cases. So the best thing you can do is to go and get a flu jab. And um, uh, so, you know, I've had mine. Um, and it's also encouraging that a lot of people who are able to get the flu jab can also get their autumn booster from, for COVID. It really is the most effective thing you can do because what it does is it not only prevents you getting flu, but if you do get flu, because you still, you know, even with vaccination, you can get COVID and flu, it actually means that you're likely to get less ill. And what we've been seeing, particularly for young children, so five and under, and, old, and our older, more vulnerable population, so over 80s, is that they're the ones that often are seeing more serious illness from flu. But, you know, anybody can end up uh, in hospital, and people mm. are often quite surprised if they do from flu. I think I'm sure you've seen some of the, um, uh, the media coverage. And, yeah. and we are seeing a lot of admissions from flu um, in the QA hospital. So, and also a lot of people needing to uh, get advice on their flu, even if they don't need to be admitted. So really encouraging people to think about self-care at home. I know it's easy to say this, but it's always good ahead of winter, and we're now well into winter, to have a supply of paracetamol um, and cough uh, 
you know, and cold treatments at home. And I know there has been some issues because everybody's yes. been rushing to get them. So I know there's Staggering. been some issues yeah. Yeah, of getting those and supply. But, you know, supply chain is happening. And, uh, you know, we really encourage everyone to get stocked up at home. But also you can get, you know, really good advice from your pharmacy, from your pharmacist at your local community pharmacy, particularly... You know, for your kind of things like aches, pains, headaches, upset stomachs, etc. And then obviously go to your GP or contact your GP practice. You don't just need to always see a GP actually, because we have a um, we have a full team, primary care um, teams in our practices. Um, so it's not just about seeing a GP. You can see specialist nurse. Uh, you can see physician assistants and they can also do prescriptions. So it's really a good opportunity to contact your GP and you can do that now a lot online and through e-consult uh, as well. Don't always have to go in. Because the other thing that's really important at this time of year, and I think we've got a lot better of understanding why this is important through the um, COVID pandemic, is actually because it's the same preventative measures you can take for flu that you can for covid so really encouraging people with these if you've got symptoms we can be a bit heroic in in um in this country can't we we always want yes. to, feel that we have to keep working yeah and really we discourage that because actually you're having a bigger impact by passing your your germs in the office so really encourage people not to go into work if they've got flu symptoms really encouraging people to you know do all the things that we always talk about the catch it bin it kill it catch your sneezes coughs into your shoulder, into your kind of elbow, but preferably with a tissue and then throw it away. But also what, you know, other, the kind of other things we encourage through COVID, which was your hands, um, face, space and, um, and ventilation. So really encouraging people, um, if you've got flu and you have to go out, you know, people still got face masks, wear a face mask. Cause you know, you really don't want to be spreading those germs, particularly to very young children and our older uh, residents who might be more vulnerable. So, you know, wear a face mask, keep your distance. And, you know, if you do have to um, be uh, indoors with people who've got those symptoms, ventilate. I know it's cold and I know it's wet and miserable, but, you know, all you have to do is open the window for a bit during whilst you're in the same room. So those are all the, the good measures that I think people are very familiar now with yeah, from, yeah. from COVID. And, you know, and we've got urgent treatment centres as well. So, you know, locally, and those are really good for your kind of sprains, strains, broken burns, minor burns and wounds. You know, and we've got we've got St Mary's Hospital in Portsmouth and they're open 8 to 8. We've got, if you're a bit further up in South East Hans, we've got the, um, uh, we've got Petersfield Hospital also open 8 to 8. And the Gosport War Memorial, they're open till 10, actually, so 8 till 10 every day. So there's lots of uh, there's lots of alternatives, and there's a lot online as well. So if you've got young children, we've got the Healthier Together website, which offers lots of really good um, information to parents about, you know, different infections and also support pregnant women about um, understanding things that they might need to know. So lots of choices. Mm. And it's just knowing what choices to go to and to the appropriate uh, places as well and where to find it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, It's on our website, actually. Okay. We've got a, a Health and Care Portsmouth website. So if you put that into uh, Health and Care Portsmouth, there's a lot of information there that you can, where to go and what to do. Okay, brilliant stuff. Helen, it's, it's a challenging time. Um, I'm hoping by March 
um, we should be out the, out the other side of all this. Yes, I think it's uh, fair to say this time of year, that combination of the cold weather, and I know we've yeah. got another cold snap coming, um, but usually spring and a bit of warmer weather does actually usually bring a bit of a spike. Now, I don't want to be too... Um, oh, I always like to be optimistic. I'm a very positive person. Um, uh, and I do think it's fair to say... I think things are getting a bit better. So we are seeing, I mean, before Christmas, you'll be aware we had really bad rates of flu. Yes. We also had um, COVID cases and we also had the uh, the strep A outbreak. We did, yeah. Yeah. But all of that, so there's no doubt Christmas holidays from school, because children are great, um, not to be, not to blame any, um, any of those young people, but they do tend to spread infections amongst themselves, particularly at school. So... Yeah. School breaking up at Christmas always, always gives us a bit of a uh, respite. And uh, what we're seeing now is that the strep, strep A cases are reducing. So that's definitely improved. And the early signs this week, so you have to often wait for all of the uh, data to come through from Christmas. There's usually a bit of delay, but it's looking like influenza uh, cases are going down as well. And it looks also like the we've tended to have waves of COVID, and yeah. we definitely are coming down from this uh, most recent wave. So I think by March, definitely, um, things will have improved. Fingers crossed. Light of that end of that uh, very long tunnel, it seems, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah. <laughs> With the weather the way it is, as you say, dark nights and, oh, yucky yeah. rain out there too. Helen, I love it talking to you as always. Thanks for coming on and, and giving us some positivity, which I think we desperately need at the moment. With the way I know, it's the difficult, weather, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, because everything it, going on. Yeah, you have to be positive. You've got to keep yourself positive. And I suppose that's my last message, you know, because it's really important when you're feeling miserable, you tend to pick up bugs quicker. So try and keep positive to everybody listening. Bless you. Dr. Heather Hattnickinson, thank you for coming on tonight. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll be in touch and talk again soon. But for now, thanks for being there tonight. Appreciate it. All right, lovely. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Helen Atkinson there uh, from uh, Director Health here in Portsmouth and uh, some handy tips and advice there uh, to get us through this uh, this dark times uh, in the winter, of course. 7.40 Express this week. Plenty more still ahead before 8 tonight. Talking soon to Neville Crowhurst. Talking about rewarding your staff. Express FM. Local news and views from that, uh, throughout our area, of course, Portsmouth and South East Hampshire. Thanks for being there tonight, particularly in the Emsworth or in the Havant, Waterlooville or Weacock Farm or somewhere across Portsmouth, somewhere across Fairman Gospel as well. Thanks for tuning in tonight and being with us. Uh, talking about staff recognition, there's not enough of this, I tell you. Uh, we all need to uh, give our staff a pat on the back and uh, to tell us more about that, Nabelle uh, Crowhurst from the Ward Gateway uh, can uh, shed some more light on this particular subject. Nabelle, how are you, lovely? You right? Very well, thank you. Good. Chris. Thanks for coming on tonight. Great to talk to you, uh, and particularly about recognition, staff recognition at that as well. Uh, I mean, did much of this go on before Christmas? Because that's the sort of the time of year, really, we sort of think about staff recognition for all the work they've done over the last 12 months. Yeah, I guess so. And, and recognition can take lots of different forms, you know. So, of course, it's being appreciative and saying thank you to your employees for the good work that they do. Um, and acknowledging um, the, the contributions that they make. But actually, you know, it's even bigger than that. If we really want to recognise and, and support our employees to be really engaged, we need to be looking at their overall well-being 
Um, and, and when we think about well-being, it's their, their physical well-being, their mental well-being. And, and right now, what's really at the fore is their yeah. financial well-being. So Absolutely, yeah. It takes lots of different, lots of different perspectives. Yeah, I mean, when you think, and looking at some of your figures you're quoting here, 40% of people burn out as well. Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, particularly coming back after Christmas as well, these are sort of like the, the busiest sort of couple of weeks, I guess, into the new year, aren't they? Yeah, and, and I think burnout is driven often by stress yeah. and, and, you know, life is sometimes challenging for us all from lots of different perspectives. We're, we're busy and there's lots of life pressures. Um, and so if em, em, employers can put in place um, different types of rewards um, and ways to recognise their people, that can certainly help um, people feel more engaged yeah. and, and, and essentially build a stronger and, and more resilient workforce. Well, it's a two-way thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that we're really working on at the moment, especially, you know, this time of year, when yeah. you're thinking about burnout and stress, um, a lot of that stress for many people is driven by the fact that pre-Christmas, you, you're, you're, you're burning the candle at both ends, but also it's a really expensive time, really expensive time. And so those financial pressures that we're all feeling right now um, because of, you know, the, the, the cost of living crisis and most organisations not being in a position to, ne- to necessarily... Um, offer pay increases that that match inflation. What we do in organisations to help educate people in terms of um, making their money go further and removing some of that stress for people so that they suffer less with burnout um, is something that we're working with lots of our um, partner organisations on. Yeah, I mean, interesting to see that. So, yeah, we're talking nearly fifty percent of people feeling overwhelmed. That's quite a high figure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of life pressures. Um, and you know some of that can can be um, workload. Some of that can be, as I say, some of the financial things that we've got going on at the moment. Um, it was interesting just listening to Helen beforehand. Yeah. Some of it's just the winter, you know, yeah, dark. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know about you, but I'm 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 fed up of the, the rain. It's oh, been like dark for, for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> when they're forecasting snow next week yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't need that do we uh, but i mean it, it's, it is Jan- i mean january anyway is a long month isn't it uh, and it's dark and it, we've had christmas uh, and spring seems a long time off <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. it's a horrible month anyway isn't it it is a horrible month and just you know if we, if we go back to that point on the on the finances it's yeah. always a long month um waiting for that final payday so yeah. um you know some of the things that we um offer from a reward gateway point of view is is um employee um discounting um that we can provide to organizations and then they can pass on discounts to their employees and and what we we're seeing at the moment is a huge increase in that so we've, we've got loads of retail data that shows year on year there's a 25 percent increase in the usage of our discounting platform um and that's really spiking in in some of the places you know like essential spend so grocery spends those kind of things where you know if we can if we can give employees these these additional um reward mechanisms to help them to reduce some of the stress but also feel like they're being recognized it's it's really it, it really makes a big difference it's scary, isn't it, when you sort of think about things like that? And uh, yeah, it sort of puts things into uh, perspective a little bit. You know, just a little bit of recognition goes a long way. And yeah. at what point do uh, companies come to you, then, Abella? Uh, how does that work? Um, so we'll partner with 
all sorts of organisations. Yeah. I mean, we partner with over 4,000 4, companies across 23 countries, so it's really broad. Wow. Okay. And, and what they're wanting to do is exactly what we've just said. Which yeah. they, they want ways in which they can support reward and recognition. Um, and so we've got lots of different mechanisms to be able to do that. Um, from you know the way in which we communicate with people, um, overall well-being, the piece that I've just mentioned around um, discounting and um, enabling people to um, receive discounts from from various retailers. In fact, we we partner with you know around 1,900 retail partners. So, and for all of those, if a, if a company's partnering with us, their employees are benefiting from. Sure different percentage discounts so they'll come to us when they want to um, put in place recognition programs that really make a difference to their overall employee engagement goes a long way doesn't it really to, yeah. to give someone a pat on the back and uh, particularly as you say these times as well and we've had three years worth of upheaval with covid and all sorts haven't we so um yeah it's uh, definitely needed uh, and about it's been lovely talking to you thanks for coming on tonight and sharing all that with us it's very interesting some of that and i think it probably must hit home with some people too <laughs> listening tonight i'm sure but uh, Nabal, thanks for coming on tonight good to talk to you Thank you. Thank right, you. Thank take care. care. All right, and cheers you. there. Bye-bye. Bye. Nebel Crowhurst there from uh, Reward Gateway. There's some interesting stats to you, I think, uh, particularly about uh, yeah, how you can sort of yeah, recognise your staff in a, in a good way as well. Local radio for Portsmouth. This is Express FM. Uh, we're here tonight and tonight with the week's news and news. Our profile guests on the way soon. Tell you more about that in seconds. Let's uh, turn our attention to uh, adoption. Now, we've talked about it on this programme before. This is the Hampshire County Council one, if you like. Adoption. South, I do to, uh, to give it its correct title. Uh, from uh, Adopt South, we're catching up with the service manager, in actual fact, Anne Cooper. She's on the line with us now. Anne, how are you? Right? Hi there. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good. A busy week. Yep, busy as normal, yeah. Always busy, I'd imagine, for what you do uh, and what have you, and all the good stuff that you do. Are you attached primarily to Hampshire County Council, Anne? Is that right? Yeah, so we're the regional adoption agency okay. for four local authorities. So it's actually the Isle of Wight, Hampshire County Council, Portsmouth City okay. Council and Southampton City Council as well. Oh, brilliant. So we cover much of our area. So that's, that's even better. Excellent stuff. Now, adoption, of course, is really in the forefront of... Uh, well, we talk about it a lot and uh, it's always there in the press as well and certainly local media and what have you. Uh, I mean... Adoption really is not as scary as it used to be, is it, I don't think. I think people's attitudes towards it have, have probably changed somewhat. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that often people feel that they wouldn't be able to adopt yeah. when actually, you know, we have single people, couples, uh, families already. You don't need to have lots of money. Um, you know, so it's definitely something that people can do. It's amazing where all these myths have come from, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think lots of people might think there are barriers, but um, we're very open-minded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we're talking civil partnerships too. That, that's included in all this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you don't have to be in a same sort of a, uh, yeah, an ordinary sort of relationship. It can be a civil partnership as well. So it's all walks of life, really. You can get involved in this. Uh, what's the situation at the moment across this area? I mean, are you still really you know, in desperate need of, of families at the moment or you know, fostering adoption? Yeah, do you know, we're always looking for adopters. Yeah. Um, at the moment, we have... Um, children that are sort of a bit older, so over two years old, 
and brothers and, brothers and sisters that need adoption as well. Um, so since 2019, we've actually approved uh, 400 adopters and linked over 400 children in that time. So we're always looking for more people as well. So in that short space of time, you, you, you've done a lot of work already. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been a very um, exciting four years, really. Yeah. So what's the procedure? People listening tonight thinking about something, doing something like this, and it's worthwhile too, because I imagine you're there every step of the way, aren't you, in this process? Yeah, definitely. We've um, got lots of training um, and sort of help and advice along the way. Um, We've actually got an event on Saturday, um, which is between 10 and 2 at the Holiday Inn in Eastleigh. So, yeah, our team will be there, so we're really excited about that. So basically that's kind of for anyone that's interested in having a chat about adoption, that might be people that are sort of thinking about it. Um, And we also have adopters there who have adopted children through us so that they can talk to people about their own experiences as well. And that's good, isn't it, to get that perspective on things as well. So it's not so so daunting for the for the foster the adopter uh, to, to go through this process yeah definitely I mean I think that everyone that comes to chat to us definitely really enjoys hearing from the adopter really to get that sort of lived experience of what it's really like to adopt a child yeah and what's I mean you mentioned they're two year olds and things like that what's what is the main age group we're looking at then uh, Anne well we are always looking for people to adopt children under five yeah um but mostly at the moment i would say it's generally older children so over two and sibling groups so brothers and sisters as well yeah are you finding now um having to find more children to place with people is this on the increase um it's the sort of thing that kind of all the time really we're looking for adopters who are interested in in adopting children that aren't able to live with their birth family Um, and we do have that you know it is a very quite a common thing really that Mm. happens so we need adopters that are you know able really to really help those children understand their backgrounds and their you know sort of birth family and their life really yeah it's uh, all different circumstances as well so it must be tough for for the child itself as well yeah, definitely. But we've got some really good practice and really good social workers yeah. to sort of help those children with those moves to living with adopters as well. OK. So people listening to our interest in, in adoption uh, and want to come along to this event, the event's on Saturday, you say, in Eastleigh? Yeah, that's right. It's at the Holiday Inn in Eastleigh from 10 till 2. Yeah. Um, it's a really nice venue. We really love having it there. and. Um, so it's very relaxed, informal, and you can talk to one of our team. Um, like I said, you can talk to somebody who has adopted a child as well. Um, it's very relaxed. We've got lots of nice coffee and biscuits and, you know, sort of a ra- relaxed environment, really. Yeah, that's good. And, and say, it's a strong network as well, isn't it? A family network that you've got there as well within Adopt South. Uh, so, so people can you know, listen to you and that kind of thing. So, you know, you're there for everyone, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, and we like to prepare people as much as we can, really, as well, for that, um, for the experience of having a child come and live with them. Um, and like I said, we've got adopter mentors. So we would allocate someone to. Um, somebody that's interested in adoption who's had that experience really to sort of can give them that 
tell them the real home truths, really, of what it's like to adopt and go through the process. Yeah, good stuff. All right, and well, look, that's on Saturday, then, the 14th of January, at the uh, Holiday Inn. What time does it start there in Eastleigh? Yeah, so it's uh, 10 o'clock, finishes at 2 o'clock. OK. Um, and if you can't make it, obviously we've got our Adopt South uh, website, which is adoptsouth.org.uk, um, or just give us a call and have a chat. Um, so that's on 0300 3000 we're always really interested in hearing and talking to people who are interested in adoption. Brilliant stuff. And good luck with the event. I hope it all goes well. That's Love great. It. Thank Lovely you. to come back to you in the future if we can and uh, and find out more about it. But for now, uh, and thanks for coming on tonight. Good to talk to you. Bye bye, lovely. Best day. Take Thank care, you. Anne. Bye, bye lovely. Bye. bye. Anne Cooper from Adopt South and uh, fantastic event. And again, as Anne said there, the event there on Saturday in Eastleigh at the Holiday Inn. And you can find out more about it on their website, of course, Adopt South. If you did a little Google search, you find all the information there and how you can get involved in that as well. It's 8.29, thanks for your company tonight. This is what we do on a Thursday and Sunday night, of course, from 7 to 9 o'clock. Just look back to what's been going on locally across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire. Thanks for your company tonight. Hi to Maureen, she's in Waterlooville. Pam's in Cotton tonight, enjoying the show. Thank you for tuning in, thank you for being there. And thank you to you where you happen to be across our transmission area, of course. You've been at Emsworth tonight. Hello to you in Harrant, Hayley Island, Waterlooville, all over the city, all over Fairman and Gospel as well. Thanks for being with us. Let's turn our attention to local organisations, uh, profile guest of the night tonight. We've worked out, it must have been a couple of years ago since we last got Joe Toms on from Home Start Portsmouth. And Joe can tell you herself, she's on the line with us. Joe, how are you? All right? Happy New yeah. Year. Happy New Year to you, Chris. I'm very good, thank you. Good stuff. I can't believe it's nearly a couple of years ago since we chatted. I know. The older Tom's you get, gone. Chris, the quicker it goes. Yeah, thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got you on. <laughs> you can always now, rely on me. Absolutely. Now, we won't mention Floy, your daughter Floy. No, who, uh, no. No, but we'll say hello to her anyway. Not allowed, and leave it. Her on air. No, fine. Sorry, Floy. No. Evie Floy. You're right, Floy. Thanks, Floy. Yeah, yeah. Floy, Floy, Floy. Joe, lovely to catch up with you and uh, talking about Home Start Portsmouth. What a wonderful organisation. Uh, th- I mean, I think the last time we chatted, it was through a difficult time you know, because we were in the midst of the uh, pandemic, of course. Yeah, it was, you know, we were coming out of the pandemic. Crazy time yeah. for a lot of people, particularly anybody with children, with homeschooling. Um, and now we've come out of that weird time and we've gone straight into the cost of living crisis, which, again, really affects families. Yeah. Um, uh, and people with young children. Yeah, and I imagine it's pretty difficult for organisations such as you, not, not just to provide advice, but support and just managing yeah. your own bills too, to be honest. Yeah, well, we, we sort of, you know, at work, we talk about the cost of living crisis affecting everybody. That's our families that we support, our volunteers that deliver some of our support, our staff, um, our trustees. It is, there's nobody that is unaffected in our organisations, whether it's a family that we support, whether it's our funders, the demand on money for charities is um, increasing because it's tough. It's really, really tough. And as we know, there's not a lot of central government money Mm. and therefore local authorities are struggling as well and small charities like ours um, it's really tough out there Yeah, uh, it's tough for you to keep going I would think Yeah, we're quite a resilient organisation as a lot of voluntary sector um, 
organisations are. Yeah. Um, you know, this is our... If we were needed five years ago, we are absolutely needed now to support families. We've got an amazing community of supporters and mm. volunteers. Um, we are really focusing on growing our organisation because the need is also growing for our support. Yeah. Um, and if you can invest in getting the start right for children by supporting their parents when they're really small, it saves an absolute packet later on in life because you get the start right, you get the relationships right, you get the parenting right, you get strong, resilient, happy, healthy children. Yeah. So those, you know, those sort of last three to five years or so have been really tough then, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they have. Yeah. And so if you had a baby in 2019 or 2020, mm. You've had a really crazy roll of it, really. Um, oh, you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the impact of the pandemic and the cost of living yeah. crisis on families will be seen for quite a few years to yeah, come as well. Absolutely. And health inequalities, you know, access to dentists in Portsmouth, access to GPs is really challenging. And that will have an impact on health outcomes of children in you know for years to come yeah i mean because this is the thing isn't it being a parent can be lonely as well i mean this is where the organization really comes into its own isn't it yeah yeah we try to reduce um parents isolation i yeah. think pre-pandemic there was a survey a survey that said something like 34 percent of parents felt lonely post-pandemic that has gone up to 55%. Wow. Um, because people didn't get out there. They didn't see the professionals as much to signpost them. Um, you know, not everybody gets to see a health professional or, you know, there's, there's limited resources out there, as we know, in the NHS. And, and that's where we are, organisations such as ours and other organisations in the voluntary sector try to fill that gap and meet that need rather than it just sitting there being unmet need. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's been very tough, and um, and that's the thing where people haven't been out and about because of COVID and things like that, and it's all been done mostly online. You haven't got that interaction as much, have you? No, no. Um, you know, there is a place for online support, for of course. digital offers, yeah. absolutely, telephone support, but nothing really replaces face-to-face. -face. No. Um, I, think, I think the digital world is to run alongside face-to-face -face. Yes. it's not instead of um and we have really seen that most of our families want to see people yeah. they want to whether it's to come out to one of our groups or to come to a parenting course or whether it's to have a volunteer visit them in their home yeah they want to have that connection now how are people refer to you joe how, how does it work tell us about well, it well we run a variety of projects and each project that we run has a different referral pathway um but pretty much anyone can have our support because we will find a project that will suit them so we run 12 stay and play groups across the city on different days of the week and they're all free we run three parenting courses a week um which again are free and our creches run alongside those and then we have our home visiting offer where volunteers actually go into families' homes if there's a reason why the family can't 
leave their home, whether they're feeling too low in mood or whether they've got a disability or they've got challenges and they don't and they're anxious and they don't feel able to leave their home, our volunteers will go to them and encourage them to do either to leave the home or do things in the home or make sure the children can get to the park, um, do some one-to-one activities in the house, support with um, household chores, you know, make sure their routines are in place um, and just offer friendship, practical advice and um, emotional support to those parents so their children can have the best start in life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's quite a broad range of stuff that you do, though, isn't it, as an organisation, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We've sort of diversified over the years to meet the need. Oh, you've had to, the... I suppose, haven't you, Jo, to be yeah, honest? Yeah, absolutely. Um, during the pandemic, we were doing doorstep visits. Um, we were doing walks in the park when you were allowed to walk outside. Yes, um, we offered telephone support, Zoom. Never heard of Zoom before. No. Now <laughs> I can't get away from it now. Goodness no, you sake. can't. Can you? Um, and you know, there's there's a real use for Zoom, isn't there? As well now, yeah. it's, it's really handy. You don't have to drive half an hour to a meeting anymore. You just have a Zoom chat. Yeah. Um, but we we are all about. We're a very relationship based organisation. We want to make connections. We want to offer practical help. And if that means getting somebody to a hospital appointment or a GP's appointment or getting them and their children out to play in the park and offer them some company, then that's what we'll do. And you can only do that face-to-face. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't offer that by Zoom. And, and there's nothing so, like, as you say, face-to-face and there's interaction, I think, between people as well. Yeah. It, it can't, yeah. It's not quite the same on, on Zoom or, or anything else, is it? it it's no, the, and I think most of us realised when we couldn't see people... Yeah. But it wasn't the things that we did with people that we missed, you know, like the lovely meals out or, yes. you know, bottles of wine with your friends or whatever. It was the actual friends that you missed, yeah. you know, that connection, going for a walk with somebody. It was like so wonderful, wasn't it, when you were yeah, allowed to walk with people? absolutely, it was, yeah. And that's what you all end up realising that you're missing. Yeah. Even I didn't even miss hugely the holidays. I thought I would. But actually, you think, oh, I can cope without that as long as I can see people yeah. and, and make those connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it played tricks with your mind almost, didn't it? The, the actual, it did a little bit, didn't yeah. it? It's funny now when you think back to it as well, isn't it? What you think but it you hasn't think, happened in a sense. Yeah, it's a you weird think, what, we feeling. We were only allowed out for an hour. Yeah. Like, how, how weird is that now, yeah. thinking about that? Yeah. Yeah, you don't think it's ever, but it, it, it's a bit yeah. surreal, to be honest. We yeah, sort of look surreal. back on it, very surreal. And now, then, then I think if we think it's yeah. surreal, imagine how young children or babies, you know, the impact on it on, on them, you know, when we all had masks on and babies were looking mm. at you and just say, why have you got a mask on your face? Yeah. Why can't I see your mouth moving, you know, like I do in the house? It, it, you know, and why can't I read your expression because you've got a mask covering half yeah, your face? yeah. It, it so, must have been awful when you said yeah. it like that. Yeah. yeah. Now, you do all sorts of playgroups too, uh, and mm-hmm. there's a, um, I understand there's a new stay and play group that's just started too. Um, well, we run, we run a specific, um, we run lots of general stay and play groups okay. for anyone. Yeah. And we run a couple of sort of facilitated stay and play groups. And one in particular is we have recently started a project funded by Royal Navy, Royal Marines charity, and it's a bespoke stay and play group for any um, families who's got a partner or they may be in the Royal Navy and on maternity leave or something, 
um, and any 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 member of a connection with the Royal Navy can come to that. And this is the um, great and, thing, isn't it, Joe? About about your organisation, it, it is literally for anyone. Yes, absolutely. You, All walks yeah. of life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't. I'm a real advocate of everybody. If you need support, we will offer you support. Um, everybody should be supported through their parenting journey. It's one of the most important roles we take on, and one of the roles we get least training and support for. Yeah. Um, and yet it's a, it's a lifetime role, isn't it? I know we all think, oh, lovely, they're 18, they're off our hands. But you, you are still parenting, uh, as you know, <laughs> as you and I know, Chris, because we've got yeah. mutual children at the same school. But um, in common, it, it goes on forever, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you are shaping, by parenting your children, you are shaping them for the rest of their life. And we all need support with that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not easy. No, absolutely not. Joe, look, let's pause there. We'll have a bit of a break and play the first of your songs. Uh, you're a bit of a George Michael fan, has to be I said, am. Joe. Yeah, huge George Michael. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so we've got a bit of George coming out. Well, we'll find out why you've chosen that uh, in a moment or so. So stay there, Joe. We'll, we'll chat some more in a second or so. Joe okay. Toms is our profile guest for Homestart Portsmouth. We'll chat uh, more to Joe, as I say. And uh, hear her George Michael track, which we, we don't play too often, actually, to be fair, here at, on the show and certainly here at Express. Uh, we'll share that with you in just a few moments here on uh, tonight's show Express FM Joe what that particular track then oh well I love George and I that's like sort of one of his least he, I think he released that when he was still with Wham yeah but as his first sort of like solo single he had horrendous hair in the video if I seem to remember <laughs> <laughs> very 1980s always a downside always a downside but <laughs> and bare feet yeah yeah but um, uh, great track but I just one of his least played songs and I really like it I, you know I like the sort of sentiment I like the lyrics yeah um, and it's it's just beautiful voice yeah it's still a tragic loss even to this day isn't it yeah it is yeah absolutely I, you know you still because I think he might have just been 60 now if he was still alive yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. time goes it, so it quick is. It really does, but it was uh, such a talent, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and uh, went at the wrong time, really. But very sad, yeah. very sad. That, uh, mm. uh, good track, that uh, another one on the way very soon. Look forward to that. We'll play that uh, just before we finish here. Eleven minutes away from nine. We're with Joe Tom's actually from Homestart Portsmouth, and we're talking about so the organisation. But of course, like any charity, which you are, which people still don't get, do they? No, no. They think you're funded and uh, all the rest yeah, of it. But no, you, you we are a charity. We are a charity. Um, we are an independent charity, and we have to find all our own money to function. You know, we haven't got a head office that gives it to us. Basically, there's a couple of us there that write funding bids, that organise fundraising events, um, try to raise our profile. We try to find sports supporters, sponsors. So, you know, so next week, um, one of a Freemason Lodge is holding a dinner dance. And any money they raise will go to the families in Portsmouth. That's good. But the good, the good thing about being a local charity is that any money, either donated, fundraised, all that we get from funding bids that we have to submit, um, only goes to the children and families of Portsmouth. It doesn't go up to a head office in London. It doesn't go anywhere else in the country. We solely work with families who live in Portsmouth, which I think means a lot to people. Yeah. Sometimes the bigger charities, you know, you don't quite know what your donated money is going on. 
um, you know, it might go to head office and it might go, you know, to a poster campaign. You think, well, I didn't really want it to go on that. I wanted it to go to a family somewhere. Yeah. Um, we ran a very successful hamper um, appeal at Christmas where we asked the local community to, you know, build a hamper for a family and nominate, you know, a family that we could tell them if there was a daughter or a son or how old they were, a mum and a dad or a mum and a stepdad or whoever was in that family. And we had 101 hampers donated. Wow. So the community in Portsmouth, it never ceases to blow me away at how generous they are. Yeah. And and how much they want to do for their own community, That's you know, fun. for other people who aren't, you know, who are in a different place at that time yeah. than they are. And they, they can help, and yeah. they do. Absolutely. Now, I didn't realise that Homestart Portsmouth was 30 years old last year. Yes. Wow. In November. Yeah. Yeah, we've been supporting families in this city for 30 years, which is no mean feat. No, absolutely mm. not. And uh, I think you've proved yourself, certainly the last few years that we've already sort of talked about, really. And that's the thing about uh, an organisation like you. you. rely heavily, not just the people that you help, but you need volunteers too. Yeah, absolutely. So we have at any one time about 100 volunteers. Um, and those volunteers have a variety of roles, but the two key roles that we ask our volunteers to do is either to be a home visiting volunteer where they go into a family once a week and offer them the support in their home or out in the community. And we also have group volunteers who deliver our stay and play groups. So, you know, two very different roles. You, We need more volunteers. We need more volunteers from our diverse background. We we would love to have volunteers that speak different languages because Portsmouth is a diverse city and we want to reflect that in our volunteers. Um, we need more male volunteers. I hesitate to say I need more men because <laughs> goodness knows where that would end up. But I need... Here we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need more volu- male volunteers. Um, we need volunteers who are retired and got some time on their hands who could for a few years come and support us with some of our projects that we deliver. Um, it's without our volunteers, we haven't got anything to offer families to keep the costs down for us. Our paid staff team support, train, supervise, um, all of those volunteers and it is our volunteers that offer the services out in the community. And that means a lot to the families because it isn't somebody coming in who's paid and who's only giving them, you know, in their mind, lip service. You know, you need to do this, you need to do that. Yeah. We stand alongside a family and because it's a volunteer, that means a lot because the family know that they're not there because they have to be there. They're there because they're choosing to be there. They've often experienced challenges themselves in their lives. They may want to get experience, but they are donating their time to us and to a family and trying to initiate some changes that that family wants to make, support them with it, offer them friendship, offer them the practical help that is so difficult for some families to get out and about. Okay. So you're looking for people, any age, is that fair to say, Joe? Any age, we yep. like... You've got to be 18 to do yep. it, um, but there is no upper limit. So I think at one point our oldest volunteer was 82. Oh, bless. Um, but we've got volunteers in their 70s. Wow. Um, 
you know, if you feel you've got a couple of hours free a week, you want to give back, you want to belong to an amazing team. Um, our team, our staff team is amazing. Our offices are in the Salvation Army building in Lake Road, so we're quite central um, to Commercial Road. Yep. And our, we've got an open door policy. We Volunteers can come in any time to see us. There, there's a whole package of support available to those volunteers, and we offer a really excellent initial training course, induction course for those volunteers as well. Okay. So and and, and it, it can offer some people different experiences. Yeah. Um, it, it gives them a sense of belonging, you're, you're part of a team again. Um, you're really making a difference to parents and children's lives. Um, and, you know, they will never forget what you've done for them. No. How can people get involved with you? How, how do they get in touch, Joe? All they need to do is either give us a ring, a bit retro now, isn't it? No. On 02392 734400, or we've got a website, um, www.hsportsmouth.org.uk, and there is loads of information on that website. We've got a Facebook page, um, we have a Instagram page. And we have a Twitter. I don't know if you call that a page. I don't think you call it a page. A Twitter. Twitter feed. Yeah. Is it? Is that what you call it? Yeah, just go with that, Joe. Sounds good. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there are so many ways that you can contact us and find out more. Our our next induction courses start in a couple of weeks' time. Okay, it's a good time Um, to get involved. If anyone is listening that has a couple of hours, would like to be a part of something, would like to receive information and training. Our, our, our training course has got a really, really good reputation about the quality um, and the, the information that we share whilst we do it. Um, so please just get in contact with us any of those ways. Bless you. Joe, we're out of time. Thanks for coming okay. on tonight. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Lovely talking to you as well. Lovely to catch up with you. Thank uh, you. Let's play your second bit of music. Billy, Billy Joel. Complete contrast yes. to, to George Michael there. <laughs> yeah. Well, always really loved Billy Joel. Yeah. Um, my husband and I were going to see him in Hyde Park in the summer. Enjoy. Um, on the 7th of July. So I thought, well... Let's get a bit of Billy on. Let's do that indeed before we finish. Uh, Joe Tom, thanks for coming on tonight from Homestart, Portsmouth. Look after yourself. We'll stay in touch and uh, we'll talk soon. Cheers, lovely. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Local radio for Portsmouth. This is Express FM.